The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Let me tell you what, God's church is unstoppable, isn't it? That's, been our, that's our theme for the month. We kicked it off last week. And, and let me just say, if you missed out last week, um, hey, go back online, check out the message. Uh, it lays the foundation, right? Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love that promise, right? I love that promise. There's strength in that. You know, what we, what we looked at last week, though, is, is, is Sometimes, you know, Jesus promises that the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not overcome his church, but we do see that from time to time it does overcome the crowd, right? We looked at what does it look like and just start with some, some heart evaluation, some self-evaluation. Am I, God, am I a part of, if I, you're growing and, and, and building church or am I just kind of in the crowd. So I, I encourage you to check that out uh, if, you, if you missed out. But here's what I, I love about his church. His church is so rich and, his, and, and the whole concept of the kingdom of God and, and what that looks like and what that is is so rich that I love that Jesus kind of like simplifies things for us and like dumbs it down to our language. Like we're talking about like supernatural spiritual truths that he brings down to relatable language and he gives us word pictures. He's a, he, he was brilliant at that, wasn't he? And so he gave us these pictures and these illustrations. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these different illustrations that, that the word of God, that Jesus, some of the biblical authors um, used in talking about the church so we can understand a little bit better what Jesus meant when he said, when he talked about his church. Okay, one of the most prevailing uh, metaphors throughout all of scripture is the illustration, the metaphor of family, right? I mean, think about it. Even, even the Trinity is in and of itself, in part, a metaphor of family, isn't it? We have God the Father and God the Son. We see that, that, that familial relationship right there. And then we go throughout Scripture. I mean, for instance, let me just give you one, but we could just go all day on just this one theme. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. This is one of my favorite ones. It says, uh, in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Like you and I have been adopted into the family of God. And we see this language, we could, we could go on and on and on. We see this language all throughout Scripture. And so I, I want to look at, at what we can learn about what this family looks like, right? Jesus, and, and, he, and we see it in a variety of ways. Jesus calls um, the church collectively his bride. He calls Jesus his son. Jesus calls us co-heirs and brothers at times, and we're all children of God. I, I love it one time Jesus is teaching, right? There's all these people, and, and his, his brothers and sisters and, and mom show up, uh, and they're kind of on the outside, and they're like, hey, Jesus, your family's here. Your, your, your mom and, and brothers and sisters are here. And he was like, who is my mother and who are my brothers and sisters? My family is those who hear my word and, and do what I've said. Like, it seems like it was a dig on his actual family, but it wasn't. What he was doing is he was portraying for us what this community of Christ followers is supposed to be. We're family. 
right? You know, you, you ever feel like, like sometimes you're like, man, it's, I don't really feel like family, right? But here's the deal. It doesn't really matter what you feel like. What matters is what Jesus said. <laughs> and Jesus calls us brothers and sisters. So we're family. So before we talk about this, I, I want to I share a little bit about my family, my family growing up. Um, so I had, I grew up with a brother and two sisters, and, uh, and we got along really well. You know, I, I, my brother, we were, we were probably the closest, um, I, I was closest to my brother than anybody else, be, probably just because you got the boy thing, right? He was four years younger, and I was kind of the big brother deal, but we played together, we had sports in common, we liked to have a good time and laugh, and, and, and we shared a bedroom until I was 17. Um, so none of my girls can complain about anything, right? Um, so I'm like, I do share a room. You're not 17 yet, all right? Um, but I loved my brother. I loved all my siblings, but I had a close bond with, with my brother, and, 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 I, and I still do. He was at Nora's basketball game with his wife and his two kids just yesterday. I love my brother. I wish I spent more time with him, but I love him. And, and my sisters, too. I love my sisters. Uh, uh, and, but there's a, you know, those of you who have multiple siblings, you know, sometimes you've got a, a special bond with, with one of them. Right? And then, then uh, story for another day, but uh, in, in middle school age, found out I had a half-brother, and that was interesting. He was a number of years older than I was, and uh, he still is a number of years older than I am. Um, and, but what was interesting about that relationship is that there was, like, there was a lot of unknown, like, un, like nobody knew what any to, to expect. Like, we didn't know what he wanted in this relationship, and we didn't know what... what he, like, he didn't know what we want. It was, it was a lot of uncertainty and, and, and like, like, you're my brother, but I don't know what this is supposed to look like. And he gets married and, and has some kids and, and uh, hey, hey, now we're family. There's still some, some difference there and some set, certain set of unknown expectations or trying to be clear, but I, guess what? I love him. He's an amazing guy. He's got an amazing wife and amazing kids and we see him and from time to time. And we, I love him. Family is a little complicated sometimes though, right? I remember growing up, I had um, a bunch of cousins. I don't know what your cousins were like. Sometimes I, I meet some families and I like, grew up with their cousins. Their cousins are like extended siblings. I think I love that. I didn't necessarily have that. Uh, I had a couple cousins in Lincoln, but my, my dad and, and, and their dad, they weren't at odds with each other. They just weren't particularly close. So we saw each other at holidays and, and things like that. So my best Christmas holidays are with my, my Lincoln cousins and sitting on, the, on their staircase where we sat every year and open up all our presents. I love, I love my cousins. I got cousins other places too. They're a bit younger than me. And I don't know them as well, but you know when we get together, I love them. My aunts and uncles, I got a number. Of aunts. One li- grew up or one lived in Lincoln while I was growing up. We had this close relationship. I had some other uh, aunts and uncles spread around that I loved, but the relationship was a little different because they weren't in my life on a regular basis. And even though my extended aunts and uncles, there was one aunt who didn't have kids, and so she like was super intentional with her nieces and nephews. And there was a special bond there. Even though we didn't see her any more than any of the other ones, there was this special bond there. My grandparents had a couple in Lincoln and a couple far, and obviously the ones near, I, I, I had a close relationship with. And, and, uh, but I love my other ones. My grandma moved into Lincoln and still had it. <clears throat> Family's a bit complicated, isn't it? Any, and, and listen, I, as I'm talking, listen, I know I got the gift of wisdom happening right now, the discernment. There are some of you in this room who are thinking this very thing. You think that's complicated? 
give me a mic and I'll show you complicated, right? I get it. Family is messy sometimes. And then all of a sudden, people start getting married, and then you have in-laws, and now you have like the family system that I grew up in, which, you know, we all kind of did our slightly separate views of things, and they all, everybody gets married to somebody with different family systems, and now we're trying to blend all these family systems into our family system and figure out what family is supposed to look like, but it looks one way over here and it looks one way over here, and our way that we grew up is obviously the right way, except for the slight differences and the tweaks that we've made in our family right now, but it's mostly right. Our current family is super right, and the way that their in-laws did it is real messed up. (laughs) It's messy. That's my point. Okay, you get that. So here's here's what I just want to, I just want to, I just want to, sometimes just got to poke on things a little bit sometimes. So I've heard this throughout my Christian life, this one statement when we talk about our church family. I've heard this statement. Man, I thought we were supposed to be family. And what's funny to me is, is, is the assumptions and the expectation behind that statement. You guys, you guys know what it is, right? The assumptions and the expectations are like we're all supposed to be lovey-dovey and then everybody get along and we'll just hold hands and sing kumbaya together, right? Like, like the, the expectation is we're just going to gather every night for family devotions and say how much we love Jesus and love each other and then go give each other big hugs before we go to bed. Right? That's, it, it's interesting, right? Like everyone goes like, oh yeah, my family, oh, it can be real messy. And then we come to church and we're like, I thought we were supposed to be family. I'm like, yeah, we are. And the reason why it's tricky and the reason why it gets messy is the same reason why your family is tricky and why your family gets messy because people are kind of tricky and kind of messy. Right? And so I I think there's something that happens, and and I don't know where it comes from. I I, I guess I got some ideas, but... You know, we have the standard of the Word of God, and we look at it, and we're like, man, we got, this is what we're supposed to look like. And then we hold perfection over the heads of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then when you don't meet my expectations, right? But family's not that. How many movies have you seen with the same storyline? Family starts, each other, starts out loving each other, conflict arises, families, but at the end of the day, amidst everybody's issues, they love each other in the midst of it, right? And happily ever after, right? The reason that that, that movie storyline happens over and over and over again is because we identify with it, and so we like those kind of movies. We don't want the movies where the families are perfect the whole time. I can't identify with that. We want the mess, but we want to see how people love each other in their mess. We want to see commitment through the chaos. Because that gives us hope. That this family thing doesn't have to be no one ever missteps. It can be all about the grace we learn to show each other and the commitment we have through it all. What I, what I want to point out here is I just want to give two, 
and there's probably a, a, a bunch that we could look at, but just this, for the sake of this morning, two keys to living as the family of God. The first one is this, is that we've got to realign our expectations with reality. <laughs> realign our expectations with reality. Now listen, what I'm not saying is we need to dumb down our standards. By no means. God has called us to live lives of holiness. He's called us to live lives of love and grace. He's called us to live lives of, of purity and excellence. He's called us to live lives such as these. We don't dumb down our standards, but we understand people. And I know that sometimes when, when, when you just had a rough day or week or month or decade or life, that sometimes you don't respond Christ-like. Let's put it that way. And I know that because I'm in that boat too. The question is, can we be committed through the midst of it? Can, can, we, can we learn how to, to, to realign our expectations, not that everything is always sunshine and roses, but rather can we realign our expectations with the reality that we're still living in a fallen world? Because here's, here's something that's really interesting. Let's talk about the, 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 uh, the family systems thing. That's an interesting topic. I don't know if you've ever studied that much, but just the whole family system. If you're married, you've studied it whether you meant to or not. Um, right? Because in my family system, we put the toilet paper on the toilet paper roll the right way, okay? Over the top towards you, like any sane person, okay? But there are some people, I don't get it, who think that it should, like, it should be as hard as possible to access the toilet paper, and they should put it over the backside, right? See, I'm showing my cards. I'm showing my hand here a little bit. There's no right way to roll the toilet paper. But these family systems collide, and like genuine conflict can arise from these things. How about one that's a little bit more like real? Like the way you celebrate a holiday or don't celebrate a holiday. Maybe you don't even know why you hate a holiday, but it has to do with some things that happened to you in that holiday, in that past, and it brings up things, and you don't even know why you do that, but it's your, it's your spouse's favorite holiday, and you gotta like figure out what in the world is going wrong. Or I celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, and you celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day. We, we might have a problem here. See, these things are real things. Which one's right? Which family has it right? Well, neither. And that's the point. Sometimes, as a family of God, we've got different pictures of what this family is supposed to look like. And, and can, I just, I just, can I just relieve some of the tension? It's okay. It's okay. Because, you know what? We're family, and we're going to figure it out. Because, because my commitment to you is greater than my commitment to an ideal. And, and, and when, we can, when we can do that, and we can say, hey, listen, we all view things different. And what happens is when we turn idols out of our, out of our toilet paper rolls, 
or we turn idols out of opening Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, when we make that the big thing and we sacrifice relationships on the altar of our ideal, then we, we, we begin to see that, that conflict arise in our families and in our church family. So one of the two keys to living as a family of God, the first one is this, we realign our expectations with reality. Listen, we're all going to see things differently. We're all going to have different takes on things, and, and, and we're all going to view the world through another perspective. We're going to see church life a little bit different, but guess what? It doesn't even matter what you think about it. Jesus said that we're brothers and sisters, Right? And so I think sometimes we just got to take a step back and be like, man, I love you. I love my brothers. I love my sisters. And we're going to, you know, it may not be smooth sailing all the time, but guess what? There's a commitment there. And that leads us to the second key. The second key to living as the family of God. One, we got to realign our expectations with reality, but two, we got to redefine our commitments to each other. We got to redefine our commitment to each other. You see, it's so easy, and this creeps up so many places, right? I'm not talking about specifics. I'm talking about just generalities. We, we see this happen all the time, right? Like, we, re, we, we, we get so committed to an, a way of doing, a way of being, a way of practicing that sometimes we miss this, the richness of the variety <laughs> and the richness of the family, and so if we want to actually live a life of peace and hope and joy, if we want to learn how to celebrate the wins of our brothers and sisters, <laughs> you ever seen children do this? One person wins something, and so the other kid, I'm sure none of you guys in the front row have ever done this, uh, and so your other child just needs to talk about how awesome their win last week was. <laughs> right? Or, or, or uh, and it doesn't have to be wins. We, we compare our failures. Oh my goodness, I, I, I scraped my knee. Uh, yeah, remember two months ago when I broke my leg? Right, like, like, like we, we have this thing or, or there's, there's this competitive, guess what? That's family. It's not healthy. It's not the standard. It's not what we're going for. But is there grace to cover some of those things? See, we gotta redefine our commitment to each other. Sometimes we get our commitment, get, we get it off. God has called us to be brothers and sisters, that we are there with one another. The commitment is to one another, to the body of Christ. Sometimes our commitment comes to the idea of the gathering or the idea of, and, and, and we miss the people. God is rising, raising up a church, and next week we're going to look a little bit more at, at, at the bride and, and the collective church together, and I, I love that theme. I could go all day on that one too, but, but, but here's the deal. As sons and daughters of God, we are also brothers and sisters with one another. Let's, let's, not, let's not miss that God is the God of people, not just concepts, right? And that our, our commitment is that we are going to we're going to do everything we can to what, what we've been talking about in that January to become and build fully committed followers of Jesus. Like, I want to be more aligned with him, and I want to help us be more aligned with him as well. But I can't, I can't lose sight of the fact that it's about individuals. So we've got to redefine our commitment to 
each other. Realign our expectations with reality, and then to redefine our commitment to each other. Here's, here's the thing. Every family is at least a little messy, but a healthy family is committed to one another. Right? That's the, that's the movie storyline. Every family is at least a little messy, but a healthy family is committed to one another. That we can endure hard things. That we can endure differences and setbacks. But at the end of the day, are we saying, no, I love you. You love God. Let's do this thing. Yeah? Here's, I, here's something that I think is just, if we need a picture, if we need a visual, if we're still going like, okay, okay, I think I get this. I want to show you the degree to which Jesus painted this picture for us. This is intentional. Let me just tell you that. Anybody know much about Simon the Zealot, the disciple of Jesus? No, you don't. He's barely mentioned at all. Uh, he, uh, this is what we know about him. Simon the Zealot is a zealot. That's what we know about him. There's, his name is not mentioned very much in, in the New Testament, but we know he's one of the 12. He's one of the closest guys to Jesus, and Jesus brought him in, and he made him one of his inner circle guys. Okay? Simon the Zealot, that's not just a descriptive term for Simon because of his character. That was a, an alignment with a, lack of a better term, political party of his day. It was a movement, a, the Zealot. So what's going on culturally in, in the New Testament here when Jesus has come is that uh, the Jewish people, Israel, is, is being ruled by Rome. And, and Rome is in control, and they're the ones that are calling all the shots. And so here's Simon the Zealot. He, the, the Zealots were a group of people who believed that, that Israel should be free, that, and, and they were, hence the name, very zealous about it, right? They were the patriots. They were the ones, and it was, it was said of them, they would, or they would commonly say, like, if you pay taxes to Rome, you're a coward, right? They were, they were the, the patriot of, of their day. Like, we are not going to just roll over. They, they, were, they were zealous. They were zealots. The Rome should not be there. We need to overthrow the Roman government. We need to, and again, tied it back to Old Testament scripture. We need to be who scripture proclaimed that we're going to be, all that kind of stuff. And then, <laughs> Jesus, he's just so funny to me. So we got this guy. And then he's like, hey, Matthew. Anybody know who Matthew was? He was a tax collector. Now, now we know that, some of you know that to be a dirty word in the, in the New Testament, and here's why. Because this is what the tax collectors did. So Rome is ruling. Matthew's on the other end of the spectrum. He's hated by everybody, and this is why. Because he basically sold out. So Rome has to collect taxes or wants to collect taxes from the Jewish people from Israel. And so what they did is they recruited Israelites to go and collect taxes from their own people. And most tax collectors were relatively wealthy because how they would make their money is, let's say Matthew was supposed to go collect um, $1,000 from John. So he goes over to John and says, hey, you owe $1,500, 500 in my pocket, $1,000 to Rome. Good day. So we've got Simon who calls anyone who pays taxes a zealot or uh, a coward. And then we, have, then we have Matthew who is the one collecting taxes. This would be the equivalent of today if we had like a patriot that somebody who just red, bled red, white, and blue, and then we also had a, a former military who defected and was a spy for our enemies. And Jesus was like, you two, come on in. We're going to be family. <laughs> no, Jesus, that's funny. You can't do that. 
Jesus, I don't think you understand. No, 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 no. I don't understand. I don't think you understand how deep these differences run. Jesus, don't you get it? Like those, it doesn't work that way. Jesus was intentional. Maybe Simon never showed up in the story, but what we know about him is intentional. That he, Jesus, handpicked these two men to bring into his inner circle ministry team that would one day be the ones who would grow the church to the point where we're sitting here worshiping this Jesus 2,000 years later. And he says, I want to show the world what family looks like. You don't think there were some debates happening behind the scenes? You, you, you don't think that, that, that they were just like, just saw each other and ran up to each other in slow motion and gave each other a big old hug as soon as, they probably had to work through some stuff. But guess what? This is the picture of family that Jesus says, this is what I'm all about. So we gotta, we got to make a decision. Are we willing to let go of some of our family system expectations? You know what I mean? Like, I, I love Crossroads Church in that like, we come from a variety of church backgrounds. I think that's really cool. I, I think that's, that, that, that makes our gathering rich. But are we willing to let go of our, or realign our expectations with the fact that, hey, we're not going to all see the world the same. We're not even all going to see church life the same. But here's what it's about. I'm going to redefine my commitment no longer to an ideal, though don't get me wrong, be committed to ideal. Just make sure your commitment to one another is greater. Right? Like, I'm not saying we let go of everything we've ever believed in. Guys, come on. Jesus didn't say undo, like, all of it. He said, no, there are, there are ideals that we stand for, but let's, guess what? If my brother and sister don't see it the same way as I do, I'm going to love them because I'm committed to you in the middle of this family. So let me, let me, just, uh, let me just look at this on, on two different levels. One is, is the big church, I'm going to call it. Jesus' global church. Isn't it cool to know that we're a part of something that is worldwide that's been going on for 2,000 years? Isn't that kind of cool? Just that, the, the bigness of that thought? Now, here, here's the thing. Sometimes, though, distance makes us bristle a little bit more. All right? It's kind of like the, the distant uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. If you hear that they do something that you don't agree with, it's really easy to be upset with them, isn't it? Because they're way far away. But if, you're, if your brother does something, he can punch you in the face, and you're like, then you work it out because you're right there in front of them, and then everything's good, right? Any, anybody identify, right? Okay. Um, maybe you're like, nah, if my brother punched me in the face, it's over. <laughs> uh, but, but that's not usually the case. You know, hey, we're going we're gonna to work on this thing. I just want to encourage us here. I just want to encourage us. <clears throat> I am fully aware like we, we live in a culture today that loves to like, we, we, we love disaster. <laughs> we have a love-hate relationship with scandal. We go, oh, that grieves my heart, but I got to find every article I can possibly find about that thing. <laughs> right? Isn't it weird? 
Did you hear about that new pastor who cheated on his wife? How can you, how can you get up week after week and preach to, to 2,000 people, to 10,000 people, and all the while be having this thing on the side? Yeah, okay, I'm not a, uh, oh, a this is not a confession speech. Okay, I'm, I'm, I love my wife, okay? But I, I, we just, I just watched this take place. And so what, what do we do is then we just like hop on. And then we just begin to like, how dare? Listen, I'm not excusing anything. James says, not everybody should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because those who teach will be judged more strictly. I understand all of this. But what if when we heard the fall of a brother or sister, regardless of the size of their influence, what if instead of like piling on, our heart was broken and longed for restoration? What if we, as just this small little piece of this collective church, had a heart like Jesus that said, listen, nobody can fail so bad that they can't come back. We look at that like, how in the world could they be living this one life and then live this separate life publicly? And I'm like, do we really want to pull back the curtains on us? We just have less influence. <laughs> so I, I, I want to guard us. And I, I get it. I, I get that, like, Paul talks a lot about, you know what, watch out for the, her- the, the heretics and watch out for the heresy that are leading people away. Listen, I, I get that, but there's, like, I don't know. Jesus never called me specifically to be a less than perfect finder so that I can warn everybody that, that they worship wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yes, if somebody's preaching a gospel other than Jesus is the way to heaven, let's, let's, be, let's be aware of that. But it, it just seems like today with social media and the ability to just comment on everybody's everything, that, that, that it becomes very, very easy for us to just be like, look at them. They worship truth so traditionally. Like, there's the Holy Spirit's not even present there. That church, oh my goodness, look at them. They're like dancing in the aisles. This is all emotionalism. Only people who worship right in my box are actually genuine. Those people, they baptize babies. They're all probably going to hell, right? Like, what if we just said, hey, you've got a different, you got a different picture. I'm, listen, I'm not condoning sin. I'm not saying there's other ways to Jesus, but we've got to guard our heart. What if we saw a brother or sister who fell, a brother or sister who's maybe saw something differently, and we just said, man, I just, I, I just pray for restoration. What if when we see people pile on, we just, went, we just began to pray for that person and said, God, would you show them grace beyond what they even deserve? Because that's the only reason I'm standing here today. What if we said... It's not my job to fix the church. It's my job to be the church. So that's the big church. I just, I just, we gotta, we gotta make sure our heart's in the right place. Second one is the local church. Like this is, this is where, this is where family really gets to be fleshed out. This is like, I love my aunts and uncles and my grandmas and grandpas that were all over the place. And I, and, and I love that. But, but the ones that I grew up with, they're the ones that did, we, we did life with. They're the ones that we were committed to. They were the ones that, guess what? It got the messiest with, but it also was the richest experiences of my life. And today we still, we sit around the table and we play games and we make fun of each other and we have a good time and we all laugh. We're committed to one another. 
as a church. We also live in a culture where it's, very, it's so easy to come to this church one day and that church the next day and this church. The, and so I don't, I don't want to say, if, if you're here, you better not go anywhere else or I'm going to find out. But I am going to say this. If you're here and you went to a, a church prior to here in town and you have not had a conversation with your pastor, your previous pastor, about why you left, this week, pick up the phone and make a call. Because we've conditioned ourselves <laughs> to break up with our family and not feel it. And you're not being where you once were. And listen, there, there are some good reasons to make a move. And that's to move churches locally. That's fine, okay? But there's a right way and a wrong way. And if you just, if you just uproot and leave, like what would happen if my brother just like ghosted me for the rest of his life? That would hurt. Even if he thought, oh, the relationship is stranded, he doesn't care about me at all. It would hurt. So we live in a world, it's just an interesting world, where, there's, where, where we have freedom of religion, which is amazing. But it means we've got churches on every corner, and you can go here one week, you can go here one week, or I'll go here for a year, and I'll go there for a year, and I'll go there for the year. And then everybody in the church just keeps on offending me, so I just go find another one. <laughs> no, it's because you get to know people, and people offend people. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The people that I know the most, I can tell you the most dirt on. The people I love the most, I can tell you the worst things about. That's just, like, that's just, that's how life goes. So guess what? You stick around in one family unit for a while, you're going to learn ugly things because nobody wants to lead with their, they're not being fake, just nobody leads that way. Hi, my name is Sean, and I'm probably going to offend you by da-da-da-da-da. You know, just, just wait, don't worry, I'm nice now, but I'm going to really take you off later. Right? Like, nobody leads with that. But the longer you get to know someone, the, the closer you get to one another, the more you get to know them. Can we realign our expectations with reality and redefine our commitment to one another? Because if we can do those things, friends, we can make it for the long run. There's some of you, listen, and this is how committed I am to this. There's some of you, when I talk about going back to your pastor, maybe you're just here, maybe you're a guest, maybe you've been here for, for a little while. Listen, there's some of you that you go back to your pastor, you restore things, you make things right, and I will bless you to go back to the church that you've planted roots in. Like, that's how, that's how concerned, it's not about building the crossroads kingdom, it's about being a tightly united family where God has planted you. Right? And so if you plan it here, I, I hope the same thing here, that we can grow together and, and, and learn to develop. It's why we're doing these house churches, that we can create environments outside of this, which is a little hard, like you're just all staring at me. You guys need to be staring at each other sometimes. So we have house churches. And, uh, and so are we willing to do it? Are we willing to, to realign our expectations with reality and redefine our commitment to each other? Because friends, if we do, <laughs> there's rich, I'm just like, it's richness in doing the Christian life the way Jesus intended it to be, right? Jesus, in some of his last breaths before the cross, John 17, prayed for those who will believe in the apostles' message and those who will come after them. That's us. And his prayer for us is this, that we would be one with the same unity as the, that exists in the Trinity. I don't even know how that's, possible, but it's the prayer of Jesus, and I believe it can be answered as, as we live it 
out and walk it out the way he intended us to do. Guys, he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will we allow ourselves to use us to be a part of that building up of the family of God? Father, we praise you and we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. God, we love you. Lord, you you have brought every single person who's sitting in this room today, every single one of you brought us here to this moment in this church family. And you have a plan, not just for us as individuals, though you do, but for us as a community, as a family. God, you have great things in store for us. So Father, Lord, God, we want to do it your way. God, forgive me, forgive us for, for, for putting up unnecessary roadblocks for, for, for taking my way of thinking, my church family systems. And making it harder for others to connect to the family that you died for. God, you called each of us your sons and daughters, and we are privileged to carry that title. But Father, teach us, I ask. Continue to teach us to learn how to live like brothers and sisters. Because it's the richest way that you've designed our lives. God, we love you. It's in your grace that we pray today. God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.